everybody. Welcome to this special solo episode of Wham. I'm Nick, and today I have a very special guest, my friend Nolan Wally, for the first time. Welcome, Nolan. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, how's it feel? Um, deja vu-ish, maybe. God, I, I was gonna say that too. I like. I don't know. I feel like I've seen these walls before. I mean, yeah, but like, how does it feel? It feels kind of deja vu-ish, if you know what I mean. Welcome to Wham. <laughs> uh, episode 16. Uh, we watched Killers of the Flower Moon. It came out uh, October 20th. Mm-hmm. I saw it on Thursday. Nolan saw it on the day of. Yeah. Um, long ass movie, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very long movie, but this is only his second longest. Uh, the Irishman was one longer. One good aspect of that is that it didn't really have a strong um, theatrical release. It was more focused on watching it on Netflix. And when you watch it on Netflix, you have a lot more room to pause and then return. Yeah, you um, can take a little break. If, like, if that had an intermission halfway through, I would have felt so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will admit... Uh, in comparison, I never finished The Irishman because I thought it was super boring. I, I know I should. I, I've heard it's really good. I just have never finished it. On the it other is, hand, it is just slow. Yeah. On the other hand, I didn't feel like this was slow. I felt like everything was happening at a decent pace. And I guess being in the theater really helped me to make sure I stayed focused. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a fast-paced movie, but we were on a consistent moving track. Like, it was Mm -hmm. slow, but there was constantly some kind of progress or something um, that we were moving towards or, like, changing. Yeah. Um, So because of that, I didn't... You did feel the runtime just because it was slower like that, and there really isn't any big action bits. Mm -hmm. Um, So you are kind of going through the movie at, like, kind of a snail's pace just because it's all conversation and monologues. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I noticed is um, it's it's very interesting to see what is focused on and what isn't lengthwise, like uh, how long we stay in certain time periods, because this is a Martin Scorsese film that's focusing on one person sort of going through uh, this life change, this life goal. This is pretty standard. It's very similar to Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street and its setup. Um, and it sort of goes through a long period of time. But it also doesn't focus on it very much. Like it's very quick how we go from oh I met this lady to oh I have a child with her. That was like super quick. It's everything yeah. else that's slower. I think that's it's good to show like just to show importance of obviously we don't need to see him like having the baby, having another baby, like mm-hmm. growing the family and everything because we can put the pieces together. But we're given exactly what we need. And I think it, it was a true story, right? Or at least yes. based on, I guess. This is based off a book story. on the same name. Yeah. Um, and like the cast, I think everyone did amazing. I think everyone mm-hmm. did really well. Um, especially that guy that I think we talked about it before. The dude that said he <laughs> we wouldn't have killed his kids if he <laughs> it was yes. illegal. Yeah. I, the, 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 the cast that aren't like big name actors in this are not only really fitting uh, visually because they all look as if like what you imagine this sort of cowboy, uh, this uh, 1920s setting to look like, yeah. but it also they had great performances. And what Nick was saying is there's this line where the federal agents are sort of coming into the situation, which is very far into the film. Yeah, uh, we're last mostly hour. just given. Yeah, the last hour. The rest of it is literally just premise. Um, mm. And then we have this one guy who's talking to his lawyer and he's going, OK, so my I have my I have my Native American wife and I have my Native American kids. 
if the kids die, do I get the right to their uh, oil money? And the lawyer just goes, you know that that makes it sound like you're going to kill your kids, right? And he immediately- well, I, I, I wouldn't do it if it was illegal or if I get in trouble. <laughs> if I didn't get money, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there was a lot of good little comedic one-liners that were just kind of thrown in this movie, but I wouldn't say it's a funny movie. It's not a funny no. movie, but this is- Let's be honest, that's sort of very strong in Scorsese. He always has been able to deliver comedy because you're not expecting it. Yeah, it's just like, wait, what, what did I get? What? <laughs> and then you're already gone to the next thing. There were some good laughs in this movie. And there were some good, not frights on my part, but I watched this mm-hmm. with someone who, uh, there's there's one scene in which a, a bomb goes off, but it's outside of your view. It's just through like a window and you don't oh, really yeah. expect it to happen. He yelped in the theater man that's kind of that's funny but um <laughs> it was funny i looked yeah. at him like what's wrong with you yeah like really um <laughs> so the the story of this movie is that um these native americans in oklahoma uh like mm-hmm. the, specific the natives, yeah the osage um find oil on their land and then oh, a bunch of white people come and they build hospitals and schools and you know quote unquote bring them into the 21st century the 20th mm-hmm. century whatever mm-hmm. um and then while they're doing this, they're getting men to come in, marry the women that have rights to that oil and that land, and then the women mysteriously happen to die. Oh my gosh! And it happens to all of them. And it so, happens to quite a lot of them. Yeah. Um. And at, at the beginning and end of this movie, uh, Martin Scorsese did a little vlog, um, like thanking people <laughs> for coming and like how uh-huh. much. He, how, how important the story was to him mm-hmm. and then in the very end of the movie he wraps everything up um after fucking three and a half hours he wraps it all up in a nice little bow um just by talking on stage like an orator um with like mm-hmm. some holy sound effects in the background to add to it and that part's really cool yeah but it was really strange <laughs> well i i think if you're gonna have sort of the uh the like closing moment in most films based on a true story where it tells you where their life went after the events Mm -hmm. usually they just do it by showing a photo and then like they put some captions on it in this they go ahead and make it into like a true crime radio series set in roughly the 1950s and that's really interesting how we can fit all of this information into like the time it's put into i really like that bit i i do it the little bit at the end wasn't bad but it was it took me off guard. I was like, why? What? Why is he back? Mm-hmm. Um, but everything in this movie, I think, is wrapped up nicely. There's nothing that I really had questions about afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. Like there were no characters where like, oh, I wonder what happened with that guy, or I wonder yeah. like how this affected them because all of our questions were answered pretty quickly, and there wasn't really a lot of mystery, even in the mm-hmm. fact that we know exactly who the killers are majority of the time. The best thing about this movie is there's a big amount of cast members, but you never get confused on who's who. Yeah. I think they did a really great job with that. Um, Everyone does a great job of staying in their lane and you don't get confused with what's going on in the movie because it is that slow, consistent pace. You have a constant, like pretty good idea of what's going on and like who's around and all that. Yeah. And it it keeps reiterating in a... um, in a very original or not original, but a very authentic and uh, organic way of, Hey, we're just going to give you the information like maybe one more time, just so you make sure, or just so we know that you have it. Yeah. Um, now for, 
I mean, really, let's talk costume design first, actually, because I think mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting. Um, so, or kind of costume design. So all the Osage, all the women are carrying around blankets and everything and like, um, mm-hmm. like blankets they've woven and all that. Um, and they wear them all around. And so then the people end up calling them like blankets, like, is your blanket with you? Like, as in, is the whatever Osage lady you're going to murder with you? Um, oh, really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's why they started calling the women blankets like halfway through. And then the main, wow. um, the husband, they're the wife of Leo was like, these blankets are just a target on our back mm-hmm. um, because only the Osage women wear those blankets around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just all of the other like, nothing, no one in this movie to me struck me as like, a, oh, all right, they got a prison guard costume kind of thing. Like it all looked very real and very, I guess, it was just realistic. I didn't ever mm-hmm. look at someone and think it was a costume more than anything. It all fit everyone, and the casting was fantastic. I don't know why Brendan Fraser was there, and he was so loud. Um, he was, was uh, weird. <laughs> he was a great part of this. I want to see him in more roles like that. Um, I think I he fits bigger roles. That was so tiny. Well, no, I dude, it's Scorsese movie. That's that's. It doesn't well, matter yeah, what role thing, you have. I want, in it. I want more Brendan Fraser is in the main cast movie kind of thing. I get that. I think he did really good in this part. Yeah, I also I think it was just the uh, the judge from – no, sorry. It's just the lawyer from the B-movie. <laughs> yeah. It, Excuse it, it, me, it Your Honor. He, he immediately stands up, makes a big – that really is actually. <laughs> you could draw a lot of comparisons really easily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the time passage in this movie, like we were saying before – really doesn't ever hinder the storytelling and there oh. i mean like you're kind of saying it never feels like you're jumping too far um you're never at a point and you're like whoa okay wait where what happened um where you can infer everything pretty quickly through the conversations and just like the the family how many people are in the house or like what house they're mm-hmm. in kind of deal yeah. um and through this movie we also see that our character leo um really does care for the woman that he married i don't remember her name molly molly um molly's the osage that leo is marrying to get her money yeah we don't Um, remember his name though it's leonardo DiCaprio's character yeah it's leo come on now um and so we get a really good understanding that he actually does really love her and care for her he isn't really only doing it for the money where at the beginning of the movie, when we're introduced, it's immediately we're with Leo's uncle and he's telling him like the whole rundown, like straight up, like we're here to steal their land and the money mm-hmm. by marrying them. Are you cool with that? Well, we mix these families together and that estate money flows the right direction. It'll come to us. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> Did you expect that going into the movie? Because this Not is at all. This is very much um, similar to the other aspects that uh, Scorsese movies have, where it's following a villain character. We see this again in um, we see this again in Wolf of Wall Street. We see this in Goodfellas, where we're following a bad character in their rise and in their fall. Yeah. Um, just from the trailers from this, I was thinking it wasn't going to be that style. More than mm-hmm. anything, I thought it was going to be Leo and Molly sort of fighting off. Um, some people who were trying to kill these women. And then you sort of slowly realize, no, it's not just uh, that. It's Leonardo DiCaprio fully like committing to doing it as well. Yeah. At first you'd think he's like, he is apprehensive and he's not really too, not necessarily apprehensive, but he's not happy about doing any of these things through this movie. Mm-hmm. He's hesitant. Um, yeah. And so, but in doing that, his character was just so 
stupid. Um, he was and they dumb. made him real dumb. Yeah. And his uncle took advantage of that and he knew he would like listen to family and he's like, come on, son, you got to help the family, whatever, you know, all mm-hmm. that. And, and so I he think, totally no, ensnared and pushed Leo into all that. And I think that's really that's shown in the end of the movie in some of the court. And then mm-hmm. also with just how, what Scorsese wraps it up with in the end. Specifically, I think they played a lot into um, Robert De Niro's, who is his uncle's character. They show him to be both a deputy sheriff and to be a priest. Um, and as a priest, he has this line that he tells to Leo over and over again, where it's like, when we kill these women, uh, they are going to be sent to heaven where they get their judgment. All of us are going to exp- are going to have this same thing. But the only way in which our family, our lineage gets a good outcome is if we get their oil money. So they were going to be sent off to a good living in heaven while our lineage gets the benefit from this life. And that's fed to him over and over again. Yeah. And this the character, there's really never any sort of doubt. I mean, through almost the entire movie until people like drill it into his head, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like whatever, fucking God, fuck his name, Leo. Whenever Leo um, <laughs> is doing like any of these choices and shit, he he's just always whenever he has that hesitation he's just well you know my uncle you know he wouldn't hurt a fly he's the nicest man around you know i I heard he can get like what can happen if you get on his bad side Mm -hmm. but i don't plan to he was horrifying in this yeah and so he just has this complete blind admiration almost for his uncle and he's just following him um just without like thought and that whole the whole movement of everyone listening to the uncle and he's provided so much and he's such a like you know godfather basically of this little town mm-hmm. and then um there's a certain point in the movie i don't remember when i guess when the federal government comes in in the last hour um Jesse Plemons yeah Plemons um where you just can watch his really slow downfall and i enjoyed how the character wasn't scared or he never got to a point where he's like come on son please help me i need you right now Mm -hmm. he was never like begging he was always confident and like he was gonna get out the osage love him he's got connections and i really enjoy that about the character i think Mm -hmm. that's really like cool for a bad guy the closest we get to him begging is when um we have leo and de niro both in their uh dc jail cell and Mm -hmm. uh this is the second time that uh, Leo has planned to um, has planned to what's it called? Um, talk of talk against him in court. Yeah, talk talk against De Niro. He was going yeah. to one time. Brendan yeah. Fraser stopped him, and now he's going to go do it again. He told De Niro that just to be like, I have to do this for my family. De Niro doesn't beg him to do it. He says, "You're going to make a mistake. Think about what you're doing. Think mm-hmm. about what you're doing." He can't let himself be vulnerable, and then he doesn't. Never- um, uh, doesn't De Niro then convince Brendan Fraser and such to convince Leo to take the fall for his grandfather or his uncle? I don't remember Leo when they took him into that. Like they took him into the back room and sat Leo down because he walked in and Brendan Fraser's like, I need to talk to my client. Well, that's that's after all those parts. But during those parts, we have or before this, we have um. We have him basically stuck with the federal government. The first time he was going to confess, he had only had connections with the federal government. He didn't have much to talk with with De Niro. He goes to court. Immediately, Brendan Fraser uh, says that he's his defender. Um, So they go back and they have a big sit down 
with a lot of oil company men, with Frazier, with De Niro, and they all talk to him and go, if you do this, you're going to have your family taken away from you. They are not going to do anything they promise. You can get a lot of money. We have the best lawyers. We can save like we can save all of this if you don't mess it up. Yeah. Um over what do you think about the music? The music in this was I'm I'm I don't know. It's disappointing. I never yeah. thought that uh Martin Scorsese had the best composers on his side. Um most of the most or some of the most iconic music he has in his stuff, like the Goodfellow soundtrack, that's um music from the fifties that he just sort of brought in. Yeah. And in this it focused a lot on um native music, and I think that's really important. However, that native music doesn't usually fit the tone very well for like what emotion you're trying to go for. No. And it doesn't and it could be very repetitive. Yeah. Um I think I mean, the only thing I can really think of hearing in the music was like drums and like a flute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was really it. Mm. And it was it, it makes sense for the movie and the setting and all that. It works in that regard. But as music in a blockbuster movie, I just don't think that really did it for me. Mm-hmm. There were some emotional moments that really could have been heightened from some good music and leaving it out is also a choice, but it can benefit you really well in certain places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is one movie that's very famous for not having any music, uh, mm-hmm. except for the very end. Uh, it, I think you've seen it, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's like a pretty popular French movie. Uh, I think it's, you've seen it. Um, Poopy Dumb Comfort. <laughs> Have you heard I of mean- it? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, what is it? <laughs> it's it's a it's a famous um French movie. It's like what most people consider one of the only like true masterpieces of the 21st century. It's okay. Um it's it's, it's all right. I liked it. Um but no, it didn't have any soundtrack except for the very very end and then it just like has one shot with a girl crying over that one song. Well, okay, I guess. Yeah. You you'd maybe like it. I don't know if it's that quiet the whole movie. I I might. I feel like I'd go stir crazy watching it. (laughs) God, I have to hear this guy's footsteps again. One thing I would like to uh, ask you about this movie is: Mm. Did you notice the population shift as things were going on? Um, I mean, I noticed at the beginning there were just a lot more Osage. Mm -hmm. Um. And it just slowly was more like whitewashed. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like I didn't pay attention to it really. No, I get that. That was one of the things that got stuck in my head. Watching this whole mm-hmm. thing, you start at the beginning when Leo first gets off the train. You see a lot of white men that are sort of begging for jobs. And at the same time, you see a lot of rich mm-hmm. Osage right around them sort of ordering things around. You know, and they did that whole train thing like – Four different times i'm now thinking what like you think walking through the train station scene yeah because they did it again with molly and then they did it again when like the inspector guy was there mm-hmm. and then once you go yeah. into the town square you see a lot more osage and stuff like that and you see them interacting and then slowly over time you just go back to that town square and you notice less and less osage and you notice more and more um sort of buildings uh, being brought specifically like 
what I'd say is white oriented buildings, like a ballerina class when they have the opening for that. It's literally when you look inside, there's only like white little girls practicing and it's like this Marvel and everybody's taking photos around it. And there were two Osage there. Yeah, it's definitely it has become a like an Americanized town at this point Mm. for what you would picture in the 1920s um, America and versus being an Indian reservation, even though they are on that reservation. Yeah. Um, which is why they do a lot of this stuff and why they feel like they can is because since they're on a reservation, there's like, uh, I, I guess a lot of loopholes and things that U S government just can't do because they're on that land. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the uncle in that family feels so immortal basically for such a big part of this movie. And even when the federal government does get there, the uncle like doesn't even think they can do anything. They don't even think they can touch him like at all. Yeah. He's not even worried. They, they truly believe because they're on, um, they're on Native American lands that federal laws can't be enforced there. Um, yeah. It can be, especially since the Native Americans go to Washington, D.C. and say, hey, we're being killed. Can you send like your yeah. can you please please send the FBI? And they're like, sure, we have we have Texas Ranger Jesse Plemons. Yeah, I was so surprised that someone actually showed up like I knew they would because of the commercials and stuff mm-hmm. but when she, molly went to dc and she's all sickly and dying and she's like i might not have another chance oh we didn't even say that molly's dying through this like whole movie because yeah. leo's kind of poisoning her um, yeah but, i think yeah. that was like the whole movie i was wondering does he know that this is affecting her or does he like or is he just that dumb he probably didn't know up until I mean, at first, I don't think he did know, but then obviously, I'm sure he started to catch on being one of the few blankets that were left. Mm-hmm. And then also at that that one night where then he took the other half of the vial instead of giving it to her. And you could he, see how like disheveled and like um, just how horrible he mm-hmm. felt in that chair. And then that combined with how horrible yeah. his wife felt, you could really like see him um, just going through it all mentally like figuring out like i've been doing this to her this is how i'm making her feel like having Mm -hmm. that own battle in his head i can describe that sort of situation real quick um so diabetes uh what we've been shown is very rampant in uh osage especially Mm -hmm. osage women and um this is around the time that insulin from uh pigs had just been invented and as a gift, one of the uh, people in town is giving a steady supply to Leonardo DiCaprio's wife, Molly. Molly yeah. is to get a shot, I believe, once a week. And she sort of is very adamant about not taking it. She doesn't think that it's actually helping her. Mm-hmm. And to um, – I don't know if that was real insulin or if it was just like water and she was slowly dying. I don't know about that. but um, I think it was real. It was just he was mixing in the goop. Yeah. And then halfway through her taking the stuff, uh, Robert De Niro goes up to Leonardo DiCaprio and he goes, hey, she's using up a lot of her energy and that's like making her worse. You need to give her some of this put in the vial so that she'll slow down and she'll stop Mm -hmm. using her energy. He looks at him and he's like, you can argue he doesn't know. You could argue he does know because I was thinking that the whole time, like because he looks at him very confused, like you sure this will just slow her down. And he says, yes, yes, of course. And it gives like that look where it's like he's he's BSing. Um, But she starts getting much worse after that. Um, She's almost about to die by the time that Leo has to be held up by federal authorities. Mm -hmm. And I think the I don't know if it's necessarily him figuring it out, but I think being suspicious is definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely like a 
uh, an option here. Mm-hmm. Right as uh, we see Molly about to die, we have one of the best shots, uh, and it happens twice um, in this film. You see her sort of looking out in her room, and you see an owl walk into it and fly straight at her. Mm-hmm. And that's a message that her mother had given her right before she had died, saying, if you see an owl, then it means that our people are dying. Specifically, it might mean just them. It also just means all of them in general. Yeah, I've always thought that was really the Osage in general was dying. And I think Mm -hmm. I think the first owl when the old lady saw it was really funny. I laughed really hard. Um, I was genuinely kind of scared. Well, she was just and then he's just like, hey, like walking in. Um, (laughs) But then later when the the mother finally died and then um, those like I'm assuming what was her mother and father and then just another dead native guy like took her mm-hmm. away yeah <laughs> that was just and she was so happy she was like oh yeah. my god they're here when we see her mother die she has a uh, hallucinization or this is sort of a religious aspect to it where we see three people take her away and then we cut back to her lying in bed as she has never moved it could be her mother and father maybe that's um just a religious figures um for the osage i'm not sure well they don't my- have a specific like they don't have a specific guy, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that is correct. They have figures they call um, uh, grandfather, which is the sun, mother, which is the moon, uh, father, which is fire. They go through that a little bit, honestly. Yeah. After and then this there's podcast, like mother and things like that, yeah. all those. After this, I'm probably going to ask my grandpa about it because he mm. – um, he's read a lot into the Osage because he's from that area and he's always – Oh, did a, he marry into it? No. No. Oh. Okay. He did not marry. Are you sure? Him. I'm sure. No, I think I think he's really going to enjoy this movie. He's been looking forward to it. He actually uh, brought me and my brother to set um, into the town square area, which was really cool. They were just like uh, places that had been put up over other walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like he's going to be really disappointed when he sees that there was a KKK parade going through that area. That's rough, but it'd be a lot more awkward if he gets excited. It'd be... <laughs> Actually, who was the leader in the front of that that little KKK parade? Wasn't it like the the pastor or something? And he was like, "Oh hi!" He like yeah. waved all nice. Yeah, it was it was called like the the March for Veterans or something like that. Yeah, and it was and just that, people in like clans robes, very obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't think the KKK was going to be a part of this when I was with my friend. I noticed like out of focus there was a drawing of a KKK member um on the bank. It, the banker's like background had a poster and i'm like man that's a cool little detail they added in there that's like you know we're supposed to think he's a bad guy but that's probably as far as it goes and then they just have a speech where they're like yeah the kkk is not gonna it's not gonna get that big folks they look stupid and then the next thing you know yeah i like to think that that little poster behind the like behind the desk is like a wanted poster but that's the best that he had a hood on so they don't really know what he looks like they just drew it up anyway (laughs) (laughs) That's, I, that's my canon <laughs> um the one <laughs> that might have been a different one the one i saw was sort of like this uh this oil painting of a uh a kkk member on a kkk horse with like a torch oh i don't know what you're talking about yeah Fucking uh, <laughs> um what 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 about the the camera work i guess we should touch on because boring. yeah it really uh, wasn't anything special I think everything he did, and this is very obvious about Scorsese, everything he does is supposed to uh, 
what's the word? Sort of bring out action and bring out people. We're supposed to be mm-hmm. able to show emotions more than anything. And he sticks to very simple uh, camera shots. There are a few that I thought really stuck out. The ending shot, I think you'll agree, uh, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed um, the violence wasn't glorified at all in this movie and then the scenes when they did have it um it was very it was very quick and that added to the brutality i think and the kind of like hush hush nature of like all the killings when we did see them um and so the gunshots really is are Mm -hmm. mostly just because they were so they are so sudden a lot of the time we're just looking at this one angle of it happening we don't like see three different angles him trying to line it up whatever it's just like all right take the gun out boom casually put it back away drive off like it's just very nonchalant and i really enjoy that about this movie that it's not making it a big thing because Mm -hmm. to these guys it's not a big thing to these guys as horrible as it is they're exterminating like vermin to them you know they don't really care uh molly's sister is by far the best example of this uh, they have him take the girl into the woods and we see the story of how she specifically died throughout the entire film in tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. But when we finally get the shot of how they did it, it's literally just they're taking this drunk girl into the woods. They have her sit down on a thing. One guy's holding her. They shoot her and they're like, OK, let's go. And that's all yeah. one shot. And it's so quick and there's no emotion put into it. It's horrifying. Yeah, they shoot her and then she drops on the ground. They kind of look at her and they literally like shrug and then like do a 180 and walk away. It's very and similar the girl, to uh, The Departed. Yeah. And um, the girl is like, she literally just says, well, if you're just going to like kill me, kill me. And they, they don't even respond or do nothing. They just really don't care. And like how just mm-hmm. cold and I mean, almost calculated it is where they're just moving to the next thing. I really enjoyed. They did the same thing with the private investigator that they brought on very early into the movie before they had the FBI. We see Leonardo DiCaprio specifically him kill the uh, private investigator with a gun and in that same thing it's very quick there's no emotion to it so we didn't see that it was leo when we did see the private investigator that molly hired die mm-hmm. um, Not at first. and then it's, yeah it's only revealed to us a little bit later but even re- revealing it to us i don't think it changed a lot of the movie like that was a li- that was a reveal that was very quick and i was like oh okay mm-hmm and I was just like, okay, I guess he's just listening to his uncle even more. But yeah. this whole movie, he's literally doing whatever. I mean, he's like the, you know, he he's the goon of the gang. He's he, he they'll just send him to do whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think the worst, what the worst death that sort of comes from this is when um Leo specifically hires a um a demolition expert to attach explosives to his sister in law's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has Bill, who's one of the only um, white men who marries a Native American woman who isn't in on it. He legitimately, I think he has a money uh, to seek out because he marries one girl. They kill, uh, they kill her unbeknownst to him. And then he marries another, which was weird. You know what I mean? To marry I in the family again. Yeah. I think he's trying to get the money. He just doesn't know everyone else is doing that too. He, but one thing that makes me think otherwise is when they're having a talk with each other at that house, Leo goes um, – or Bill, who is the character, talks to Leo and goes, man, you really like money. He says, yeah, but you do too. And he's like, not like you, man. And that's supposed to sort of differentiate yeah. them. Um, We're constantly saying um, – like there's um, 
all the all the white men in the town that just work normal jobs or like work a store or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or the the example we're given is the guy that makes the caskets and headstones and all that. Yes. Um he like directly insults Leo because he's like, It's not your money. You don't work for any of it. I work for my money. You're just getting it from your wife. And there's mm-hmm. like a constant kind of look down upon nature for that because every other person in this town including the osage are fully aware of what's kind of going on they just don't really know where the killings are directly coming from Mm -hmm. um going back to uh going back to the murders when we have leo trying to kill his uh his sister and brother-in-law they set up explosives outside their house and when it goes off it's it like alerts the whole neighborhood, including Leo who lives there. Mm -hmm. And you see the house burn down and you see Bill who's still there, uh, who's still alive barely and who's uh, in the wreckage dying. And he's just yelling, somebody shoot me, somebody shoot me right now. That was so impaled um, and like just, just in a bad way. But I think that was a really good addition. His Um, wife's, um, his wife's death was worse though. Do you remember that? Well, I didn't remember his wife's death. I just remember her body being very, very quaintly placed inside of the burning building. It was just mm-hmm. kind of laying there. It was. It She was lied down, very similar to how we see all the dead Osage where yeah, she's just like, lying down with her arms crossed. How is it so ch- perfect? What? <laughs> I think it's how just supposed it so to fit. The- <laughs> when they p- it's not super perfect. When they go to pick her up to see if she's alive. They, uh, we go to a shot of behind her head, and we see her like brain fall out. But yeah, she had bits of like her all back of her head was like that. But I'm saying when the camera panned over to him, like Bill was buried in rubble and like screaming and bloody, and she was like quietly laying there, like already dead, obviously and gray, but like in a nighty and like she was just taking a little snooze, and it was just really weird. She looked like she was placed there. It's called like, symbolism. Right, we're not gonna blow up this section of the house. We have to make it look pretty. Guys, come on. Think of the newspaper. They need a good picture. <laughs> um, yeah, but that whole – and then when, they, when they're when they going over the wreckage later and Leo's there mm-hmm. um, and the uncle walks up and someone's like, you're making yourself too pronounced. And then he's like, what? And then he trips over the hand of a maid. Um, yes. And he has no real remorse for it. He has no like – there, there's no even like oh that poor girl or anything it's just like uh. so it's really at a point of like whoever is in the way kind of thing it's like whoever dies dies kind of deal mm-hmm. he's it's not a really a concern for him anymore and yeah. that's constantly told through us through just the actions of all the characters and how they uh, like how much emotion they're showing to these but it's just reiterated in different ways and like built upon consistently through this movie mm-hmm. oh man I think this movie overall was a great experience because it was a very great way of telling the story. I also think the format wasn't the best way to show it, possibly. I might have preferred one where we're from the point of view of um, the investigator than if it were from the point of view of Leo's character. I'm not sure. Yeah, being... The movie being called Killers of the Flower Moon, it does sound like it's going to be like a mystery thriller whodunit kind of shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what the name gives off. And I can completely see 
audiences going in and being a little disappointed that there is almost no element of mystery in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. We, all the facts are laid out for us. And so, I I mean, on opening day, this how much do you think this movie made? I had read somewhere it might have been $9 million. It was $9 million with a $200 million budget. It's... um. Yeah, this movie I am a is not nervous for it being like even be able to make its money back, I guess, until streaming. Um okay, so what was I told about this movie? First of all, this movie is a Apple TV production. Yeah. It was made by Apple. That means after its release it's going to stay on Apple. That was originally what they were planning on uh just having an Apple release, but they saw success uh out of Oppenheimer and they brought it to uh this. They thought yeah. that um they legitimately believed that because of Oppenheimer, something like this could get a ton of money. And maybe it won't. It definitely won't have that sort of spike Oppenheimer had for mm-hmm. I think two big reasons. One, Christopher Nolan, I think, is the most popular director for a general audience. Uh, like people love Interstellar, people love the Batman movies. You attach those to like a franchise or to a movie, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go watch this. I think second of all, it was pitched as a theater experience. Like, mm-hmm. man, this movie was made so you could see that big bomb. Nothing like that was apparent in yeah, Arizona and there was all that advertising about or not advertising, but everything being practical and stuff being a big point. Everyone was yeah. excited about. Um, but with this movie, I can. I think the story is just as good as Oppenheimer, if not um, better with the depth of characters. Mm-hmm. But I think presented with the two, I would almost consistently go with Oppenheimer versus this movie. I can't I, I can't really put my finger on why. Like this movie is good. It's a fantastic story. The characters are great. Everyone's developed amazing. The pacing is on point. But the music is just kind of okay. The camera work isn't anything amazing. It's just nothing about this movie makes me drawn to it aside from the story alone. I mm-hmm. think if a movie can do that, that's very impressive, but that also can hurt it in a pretty like considerable amount. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree. This movie's story and its acting, I'll add acting, yeah. are incredible. I also believe Oppenheimer is a better film. Uh, it does pretty similar elements a lot better it adds things that make the movie a lot more incredible first of all oppenheimer's soundtrack is incredible the cinematography is pretty astounding at points uh also has a great cast um has the back and forth between um two different uh points in time which i Mm -hmm. think adds to the story a lot it doesn't and i think it's like what how much shorter is oppenheimer than uh killers of the flower moon I mean, how? Let me look up because Killers was three hours and thirty six minutes. Insane. So let me see how long Oppenheimer was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oppenheimer was three hours on the dot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I so think it's about that's... half an hour more, and I can. I'm gonna say so. Most of like the prison sequences, I guess, and like the jail stuff was really yeah. the extra bit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. I don't know. I'm thinking mostly about this movie. I think it was great. I also don't think it's one of his best, but I'm going to I'm going to still say that I think this story is perfect to have No, wait. Let me reword. 
<laughs> I think this movie for sure is a good experience and a movie that should have been made. And I think it consistently shows how good Scorsese is, even if I don't think it's the best movie of the year. Yeah, I think it shows us um, as the audience and uh, as filmmakers that there are still like untold, pretty like important and like incredible stories that have already happened in our own history mm-hmm. that he's looking back on. And that is pretty impressive just to pull from like U.S. history, especially a time like the 1920s that's been so saturated. But then he doesn't make it feel like it doesn't matter that it's the 1920s. It's just where it's mm-hmm. when it's going on. Yeah, it's more um, of a where movie than it is a when story, which I think yeah. is very interesting. Uh, I think that this movie will be successful in the long run, but I don't think it's going to win like any awards. Act, uh, I think uh, well, Molly has mm, Best Actress down. Yeah, she was really good. She was incredible. But so overall, with like with all that stuff, do you have any other you know big points you want to say about it? Or are you ready to rate it? I don't, I really don't think I did. I'll add one thing and one thing only. Hmm. We have been talking a lot about how we have done a crap ton of Matt Damon movies. I will argue that Jesse Plemons counts for half a Matt Damon and that Leonardo DiCaprio counts for half a Damon. Therefore, this is another Matt Damon movie. Listen, no, you can't, you can't just do that. That's that's totally fair. No, that's completely fair. They both sort of look like Matt Matt Damon. If anything, Brendan Fraser cancels it out. Can you picture a Matt Damon movie with Brendan Fraser? I can't. That's fair, but now we have a good pitch for Hollywood. There you go. You're right. It's uh, going to be a rom com. Oh god. Oh, um. Oh, I'll tell you something in news. Um, okay. Okay. But so, for your rating, what are you going to give this movie? I'm going to give it a four out of five. I'm going to say this is a rough, good uh, four out of five. Uh, I give that to movies that I think are classics. I think there are movies that are going to consistently be praised, but movies that I still have some gripes with. Yeah, I think that's really fair for this movie. Uh, I'm going to give it a. I, I've really been going between like a three and a four. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say a three or mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to say three and a half because okay. if you put that onto a 10 scale, that's a, that's a seven. So for me, that's like, it, this is what I expected the movie to give me, but because there wasn't anything that really blew me away or made me want to immediately share this movie with other people, I think it's just a three for me, but it was a fantastic story. I understand that. I, I completely understand that. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, ready to go into news? Yeah. What was the news bit you wanted to say? So um, there's been some like some quotes about Aquaman 2 that's coming out soon or soonish. Oh, you're right. Um, and so they've said that it's going to be a buddy style comedy is what the movie is. Like that's what the I think the director is quoted saying. <gasps> oh, between um, is it between Patrick Wilson's Ocean Master and uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman? Uh, let me see. Yeah. Um, I love them. I think that's going to be great. So the quote is Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom is a outright buddy comedy, says James Wan. He says he wanted to do mm. Tango and Cash. I don't know who Tango and Cash is, but I think think Tango Cash might have been some famous movie. Let's be honest here. Probably. here us at Wham, we're not socially educated. No, no, but I don't <laughs> want a buddy comedy for my superhero movie again. I thought we were getting over this superhero movies are all funny hump 
I, I think that's fair. A lot of people are expecting some good, like, dark action in this, especially since they're adapting such a dark storyline in Aquaman. And mm-hmm. I'm really hoping for that. However, I love Ocean Master um, from the brief times I've seen him, not only in this movie, but in other media. And I think it'll be really funny, especially since that's like brother and brother. Is um is that lady that everyone hates, is she uh, in it? I think her name is Mira in the Aquaman. Other her actress name is obviously Amber Heard. Yes, yeah, Amber she's Heard. in it, and it's caused a lot of drama on set. Actually, if you've heard of that, so she I did remember hearing that, but I don't remember if they ever like actually changed anything. So she is in the final movie and everything. She's in she's in the final movie. This uh, she's very likely to die in this movie if we're adapting that storyline. But yeah. um, one thing I remember is Jason Momoa came to set with Amber Heard dressed up as Johnny Depp and like sort of like annoying her and Elon Musk had to say he'd sue him if he continued because that was around the time that he was dating her. That's so stupid. <laughs> I'll be mean to my girlfriend. I'll sue you. I think, I don't know if you believe her and you believe that like that shit had happened and then some guy comes to set dressed up as her abuser. I can see why that would be a problem. And you're in a case but where she it was your the girlfriend. abuser. I think there's a good amount of evidence to say that both of them did really bad stuff to each other. Like there was that yeah, one. She like cut his finger off. That I think probably trumps everything that happened. And went uh, poopy in the bed. I don't care about that, man. I went poopy in the bed. I, I went poopy in the bed. Yeah, I'm not too excited for that being a such a strong or a buddy cop comedy, whatever yeah. it's gonna be. Um, I hope it's more serious, like um, like that story is. But yeah. a MySpace documentary is in the works. Why documentaries might be getting a huge boost in this uh, actor strike if it continues. Writer strike is now over, officially over, yeah. and um, people will be able to write things like this. But because we don't have actors, we might have to rely on. Some reality television, because that doesn't count as actors. And we might also have to rely on um, documentaries. It was it was one of the first social medias, to be fair. Like, that's pre-Facebook. Yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm okay with a boost in documentaries during this time. Documentaries are a great form of media. However, let's not do it on boring stuff. Yeah, guys, maybe let's steer away from MySpace. I have I have one funny piece. It isn't necessarily connected to movies, but I okay. think you're going to freak out at this. Have you heard of Coca-Cola Y3000? No. Coca-Cola asked an AI to make a f- new flavor, and they're now selling it. Does it have cyanide in it? This could very obviously be like a, like a portal nor- neurotoxin thing. Yeah, why would – who asked for that? Who asked for it? Who greenlit this? (laughs) I'm sure they had to like they had to test it. You know, they probably did say AI test it. It's fine. (laughs) We did a deep investigation into ourselves, and we found no wrongdoing. Guys, I'm happy to report we weren't lying. We swear. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. Why would we do this? What is the Y three thousand? What the fuck is it? I don't know what the flavor is. Nobody does yet, I don't think. Oh, it's just coming? It's just going to come soon, yeah. That's really odd, but I'm going to buy it. Do What else? More. There's there's a little bit of celebrity drama going mm. on. I don't know if you saw this. You know mm. Emily Blunt, right? It sounds familiar. John Krasinski's wife. Um, she mm-hmm. was also in Quiet Place. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a video came out of her in 2012 just talking about how she really hated this fat waitress at a Chili's. And that got big on social media for like a couple of days. And she came out with an apology. I think I have her apology right here. Where it's just like, I'm appalled that I would say something so insensitive, hurtful, and unrelated to whatever story I was trying to tell on a talk show. That's awesome, isn't it? This might require you and maybe viewers to look this up because it's more of a visual thing. Uh, Stranger Things Season 5 is still being uh, created and being developed right now, even though there's an actor strike going on that is stopping uh, our actors from coming on set. That doesn't stop virtual effects from doing their work. However, they can't really place their actors inside the special effects, so they've been working with these really downgraded um, models. And I can maybe send the photo over to you just to see if you see it but rest assured if this actor strike goes on for too long we're gonna have stranger things movie that are a uh, stranger things show that's acted out by sims oh my god <laughs> <laughs> this is like um that really horrible game like road to retribution or whatever it is where you're a biker <laughs> and it like just doesn't work at all that's what this reminds me of oh my god yeah you got y'all need to look that up just um Wow. Yeah. Just look up like pre visuals from final season of Stranger Things. Uh, it'll mm-hmm. probably come up on Twitter. It's horrifying. Will's neck is probably the size of like three softballs. Wait, wait, let me. It's like he's hiding something in there. It's like the kid from wait, Bavarian. That's no, what I it think, looks like. I think that's Jonathan. That might be Jonathan. Oh, God, not it is. You're right. Uh, you can't tell. It looks horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I implore everyone to go look that up yeah. in your spare time. So we might be watching next week, Five Nights at Freddy's. It comes down mm-hmm. to uh, scheduling. If not, we'll still have a film out by next week, obviously. And also, we're going to be sticking to uh, Sunday or later releases from now, just so that we can watch movies on Fridays and have something relatively uh, soon come out. Yeah, so if like if a movie comes out that Friday, we can have it posted up that, that Sunday, just like we have it this week. In theory. In theory. Well, you know, theory can only get you so far, you know? This has been it. Um, Thank you guys for listening to Wham. You've been whammed. Uh, All right. See you guys later. See ya.